So what do we talk about on today's show? Well, besides the fact that I'm drinking coffee at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and I told you I stuck a, I think, Duracell battery at my butt, we talk about how to unlock your potential and the secret weapon used by the greats, myself included, because I think I'm pretty great, to unlock your superpower. And it's what I alluded to in episode 217 that we cover in today's episode. So that's all I'm going to give you because it's time to cue the intro and get into the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And you want to know what time it is? It's time for a podcast. You know it's a good one. When it's 3 p.m. and I'm drinking coffee, that means like I'm ready to go. I basically stuck a Duracell battery up my ass and I'm just ready to crush all the things, including this podcast. I've been taking copious notes on this podcast because this is something that I've practiced that I've always realized is beneficial to me, but I've ever, I've ever, I've never yet been able to articulate what or why, or how, until as of late. And if you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, if you listen to two podcast episodes ago, episode 217, we talked about how taking a bath would unlock your greatest genius. And I wasn't joking. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Go listen to episode 217, because there's something I know to be true. Uh, If you don't listen to it, nothing can change. And me telling you right here isn't going to make it any better. And so you have two choices. Don't listen to it and let that open loop that I just opened in your brain about how taking a bath can scale your business, can make you a better leader, can make you a better human and love yourself even more. You can go listen to it now that that loop's open or you can't and you won't. And if you don't, then that open loop, that lovely Zygarnik effect is just going to sit there and tear at your brain. And you're like, what was he talking about? What was he talking about? And then as you go through your day and you see a bathtub, you're going to be like, what did George mean? If I take a bath, I'll unlock my genius. Then you're going to give your kids a bath. And all you're going to be thinking about is, how do I unlock my genius by getting in this bathtub? And then you're going to be like, oh my God, he's got in my brain. It's so crazy. I got to go listen to that podcast. So do yourself a favor and just fast forward the button and go listen to episode 217 about how to unlock your genius by taking a bath. In that episode, and (laughs) sorry, I had to do that. That was like a combination of the Zygarnik effect and a little bit of NLP, but I love it. And now you're like, God, you're probably driving in your car, sipping your coffee. And you're like, God, this guy's such an asshole. But I do it with all heart because here's the one thing. I promise you I was out care. I will always out care everybody else and I'm genuinely here to support you. So in that episode, I talked about that bath, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about the thing that I referenced in that episode. And I opened that episode saying there's two things I want to share, but I got so excited talking about that bath that I went for 20 minutes, and I didn't want you to just sit there and be plastered with lip service. And so I ended the episode so you could go put that into practice and then come to this episode, episode 219, and get part number two. And part number two... I think I'm going to kick off part number two with a quote. I'm going to kick off part number two with a quote. 
Because what I'm going to share today, it's called a masogi. And this quote is amazing. A masogi is not about physical accomplishment. It asks, what are you mentally and spiritually willing to put yourself through to be a better human? Let me say that again. A masogi is not about physical accomplishment. A masogi simply asks, what are you mentally and spiritually willing to put yourself through to be a better human? Now, I want you to take a minute and I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect on your life. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. If you're sitting at home, maybe close your eyes. I don't need to close my eyes. I have my life like a highlight reel in my brain of every challenging moment. Some reason I remember them like they were yesterday. And in every moment, and I'm talking some of the hardest ones, almost losing my legs. Uh, when I got blasted, <laughs> when I got blasted in Afghanistan, I got knocked unconscious and had a traumatic brain injury. And I remember having to go through nerve blocks and uh, implants and what was that stuff called? Botox in my brain and some of the crazy stuff that I had to go through. Uh, I remember when I almost lost my legs and they told me they wanted to amputate them and I'd never walk again. And I made that decision in my brain. And I'm like, uh, if you have kids around, cover your ears, but I have to do this one justice. And I said, fuck you. You're not taking my legs. And I had doctors and doctors and doctors. And I mean like 15 opinions telling me you'll never walk again. You'll never do it again. It's going to be a liability. You're not going to be able to feel your legs from the knee down. Eventually, you're going to have to get them amputated anyway. So we might as well just take them now. You'll learn how to walk again. And I swear to God, I had 100 people telling me that the only solution was to amputate my legs. And this little voice in my brain said, no, 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 no. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what it would entail, what the journey was going to be like. I didn't know if I was going to be wrong. Like, am I going to be living with chronic pain? Is it going to be miserable? Is it going to be debilitating? I had no clue. But I knew that I had to trust myself. And in that moment, even though I was surrounded by people, I was very much alone. And in that moment, I had to make a decision to go into the unknown. And I had to make a decision to commit and to push myself through something that I didn't even know was possible and literally a hundred people around me were convincing me was a bad decision. And so I told them to F off and I told them they cannot take my legs. They could do the quote unquote temporary surgery that might not work. And they did. They did. And when I got out of those surgeries, it was two months of back-to-back surgery um, and I mean two months. Surgery one left my leg wide open, had to be debrided twice a day, no pain meds because it would thin my blood and then I would bleed out. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was addicted to opiates and narcotics. They had me on a PCA pump, taking morphine every six minutes whenever I hit a button. It was probably one of the darkest, darkest, darkest moments of my life for three months. And it led to some bad decisions and me attempting to take my life and a lot of stuff that you've either heard me or not heard me talk about through my career, but it doesn't add any merit to this podcast. So I'll talk about it later. And the last surgery was finished and I had to have five surgeries on my leg. I'd have these five temporary surgeries as they told me. And then the real game started. And the real game was I had just spent three to four months in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. I gained a ton of weight. I was basically immobile. I was in copious amounts of pain. I was addicted to opiates and every part of me just wanted to quit. And they got really honest with me. 
And they're like, listen, you're not going to make a recovery. You're not going to be able to stay in the military. Your career is over. And here's the truth. I was more afraid of going home to where I grew up than I was about trying to make it through what I was facing. And in that moment, I had to make a decision. And it was a decision that I had to make, and I had to walk alone in that decision. And I was like, there's only one way through this, and it doesn't matter how hard, how much it sucks, how much I want to quit. It's not an option because I either do this or I don't. And if I don't, the results are not going to be good. I'll end up dead back where I grew up in a situation that I should not be in, and I know better, and so I'm going to push. And that day, I started physical therapy. And physical therapy took 18 months of my life. Now, fast forward to today, that started that started in June of 2005. June of 2005. I finished physical therapy right around December of 2006. And I made a full recovery. And I recovered stronger than when I started, albeit I still don't have feeling in my legs from the knee down. I have hernias in my legs. I have pain in my legs. I have a lack of mobility in my legs. I fall often. I'm supposed to use a cane. All of those things happen today in this current day. But I have full function of my legs, and I would consider myself a high-performance human being. So needless to say, they were all really fucking wrong. But in those moments when everybody told me it couldn't be done, that I would never walk again, blah, 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 I'm really glad I had that inner voice because it was the most alone I'd ever been. But something really beautiful happened. Through that moment where I felt alone and I felt backed into a corner. I felt like there was no option. I also felt more alive and more confident, more present and more human than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And coming from sexual abuse and physical abuse and mental abuse and depression and suicidal ideations and death and war, it was a different feeling for me to feel this alive. And it took me 15 years to figure out why and what it was, which leads us to the term Masogi. And let me just take a minute um, to thank you if you're listening to this. I wasn't going to talk about that, but for whatever reason, it came out of my brain and probably my heart. Um, And I'm getting a little emotional right now. So just thank you for listening. regardless of how many times you hear me talk and how many times you've heard my story or versions of my story, uh, it's still scary every single time. (laughs) And it makes me gravely uncomfortable when it's from the right place. And so I'm a little uncomfortable right now, but it's a perfect transition into a Masogi. And so the quote that I shared with you, a Masogi is not about physical accomplishment. It asks, what are you mentally and spiritually willing to put yourself through to be a better human? And truth be told, if I took that journey that I took and even ended up losing my legs, and in the future I might, I can confidently say that regardless of that outcome, I am drastically different and drastically a better human being. 
because that mental journey, the spiritual journey, and what it took shaped me on that journey in a way that could have never happened any other way. And it made me a better human. Now, the beautiful part of that is I don't need you to go get deployed to Somalia and almost lose your legs and be told that they're going to amputate them and you have to fight the man and go through 18 months of physical therapy and blah, 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 blah to have the same thing. You just have to practice what the Japanese term they coined as a masogi. Now, the term masogi officially refers to a Shinto water cleansing that involves standing under a waterfall. It's still in use. It's very popular. National Geographic offers tips for how to do it. You can Google it. You can find it everywhere. But the term has been adopted by others, high-performance coaches, and a lot of really amazing human beings in recent years to reflect hard tasks. Now, I just finished reading a book called The Comfort Crisis, and I highly, highly, highly recommend that every single human being read this book. It's called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. It's the only book called The Comfort Crisis. And he talks about the term in the book. And I was listening to this and I was like, this is why. This is why I do hard things. This is why I go on long hikes. This is why I sit in the sauna for four hours. This is why I do the things that I do. Now, I'm not going to be able to teach you what this is for you. Only you know that. But I highly recommend you read the book and you Google Masogi. Uh, Google Comfort Crisis Masogi, and you'll find a couple write-ups, but I highly recommend the book, okay? And so he talks in this book to a dear friend of his name, Dr. Marcus Elliott, and I love this guy. I'm, I have a list of his quotes to share with you right now because it's beautiful in how this evolves and it changes our thinking. He says, over our species, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, it was essential for our survival to do hard shit all the time. These challenges could be from hunts, getting resources for the tribe, moving from summering to wintering grounds, and so on. And each time we took on one of those challenges, we learned what our potential was. However, in modern society, it's suddenly possible to survive without being challenged. You'll still have plenty of food, you'll have a comfortable home, a good job to show up to, and some people who love you, and that seems like an okay life, right? But, he said, sweeping his arm to create a big circle that encompassed the trail and foliage they were hiking on. Let's say your potential is this giant eight-foot circle. Then he pulled his hands into his chest and made a dinner plate-sized circle. Most of us live in this small space right here. We have no idea what exists on the edges of our potential. And by not having any idea what it's like out on the edge, man we're really missing something vital. That's the best summary that I could ever give it. And that describes perfectly how I felt my entire life. The reason why I've done cold therapy and breath work and plant medicine is to help me develop the ability to see my potential and to utilize it to have the greatest impact with the gifts that I was gifted or that I worked for or however else that came into me on this planet. And I love this one that he says, I believe people have innate evolutionary machinery that gets triggered when they go out and do really fucking hard things. And I have read this in hundreds of books. Another one of my favorite books, uh, actually a series of books is by an author called Scott Carney. 
He wrote What Doesn't Kill Us. He wrote a book, The Wedge. But they have actually studied this and found that when we are under stress or duress or resistance, when we utilize it as a tool, it actually changes the chemistry inside of us and basically turns us into a savage. It basically unlocks our superpowers, your Superman and woman powers, because of your ability to take a stand and work through it. Okay. And so when we think about the term Masogi, I'm going to read how they define Masogi because I love this and I couldn't articulate it any better. In the gym, I use the artificial construct of the environment to improve an athlete's performance when they go into the unpredictable, unstructured, wild west of a game. Masogi, he says, mimics challenges that humans used to face all the time, but in nature instead of the gym. When we return to the wild west of our everyday lives, we are better for it. We have the right tools for the job, he says. This practice has cranked the dial of physical, mental, and spiritual health and potential. And I have to share this, and I listened to this in the book. <laughs> this is a term, or this is a type of masogi. This is them doing a masogi. And I'm going to share with you the rules of a masogi, because there are very specific rules that you must follow to do this and have the benefits. But this is one of the ones that they do. So they take an 85-pound rock, 85 pounds, okay? And they run a 5K underwater. So Elliot and two of his friends, I believe, were going to do a Masogi together. And they're like, we're going to run with this 85-pound rock five kilometers underwater. That's 3.1 miles. You take a breath, you go down, you pick up the rock, you run until you're out of breath, you go to the surface, your friend goes down, does the same thing, and you repeat until you've covered 3.1 miles or five kilometers, okay? And so they would go down and they would do it, and it was kind of crazy. It ended up taking them almost six hours, which if you're ever in the ocean doing breath holds, like that is exhausting. It's mentally exhausting, it's physically exhausting, and they did it. And... This brings me to his quote. Masogi is not about physical accomplishment. It asks, what are you mentally and spiritually willing to put yourself through to be a better human? What are you willing to put yourself through to be a better human? And so here are the rules of how to create your own Masogi. And I am reading these rules directly from the author. These are from the author of the book, The Comfort Crisis. They're his rules. It's an amazing book. Check it out. It's called The Comfort Crisis. Okay. I love this one. Rule number one. Don't die. <laughs> Rule number one, don't die. And to be frank, this is a really good rule because I have, um, due to naivety, put myself in some situations that have been a little bit harrowing, to say the least, and that doesn't help anybody. You don't need to go out on a masogi and not come back. So rule number one, don't die. Don't be an idiot. Bring a cell phone or a Garmin inReach if you're totally off the grid. If you're doing a Masogi in water, hire a crew to safety team. You do not have to do these alone, but make sure that you are set up to be safe. Okay. Rule number two, make it really hard. Make it really hard. And I'm going to read his definition of this. What's really hard? We're generally guided by the idea that you should have a 50% chance of success if you do everything right, he said. So if you decided you wanted to run a 25-mile trail and you're preparing by working up to a 20-mile training run and doing 35 or 40 miles a week of running, 
that's not a Masogi. Your chance of failure is too low. But if you've never run more than 10 miles and you think you could probably run 15, but are iffy on whether you could run 20, then that 25 miles is probably a Masogi. So the point of it is to make it really hard. It's to create a massive amount of external resistance and have a commitment to completion regardless of the outcome, okay? Rule number three. I love this rule. Rule number three, make it weird. It must be kooky, creative, far out, uncommon. The reason for this is because the more quirky the Masogi, the less chance that you can compare it to anything else. It's important to take on challenges that are your challenges. Masogi is you against you. It's against this phenomenon of, oh, that guy did this thing in this amount of time and I'm going to try and do it faster because that's comparison shopping. And that's just such a shitty way to go through life. Nelson Parrish, an artist who frequently does Masogis with Elliot, summed up this rule nicely. When you remove superficial metrics, you can accomplish way more. So rule number three is make it weird. Now for me personally, sometimes I make it weird, sometimes I don't. Um, one of my favorite ways to do a Masogi is to do very, very hard, hard hikes. I live in Montana. I'm surrounded by them. I have a plan. My family knows where I'm going. I have my All Trails app set up to send them notifications. And I give them a rough amount of time it should take me and some warning points to call or to call and help if I don't make it back. But I know I can easily hike 10 miles, 12 miles, that's not bad for me. I used to do 20 miles when I was in the Marine Corps, but now I could probably comfortably say like I can finish 10 or 12. But when I start getting into the 18 to the 20 territory, that's kind of dangerous territory. So like a Masogi for me would be a 25 mile hike, right? Um, other ways I do it and I do it in the sauna. Um, but I also make sure I'm here. I have a sauna in my house or we did until we moved. And I would let my wife know like, hey, listen, I need to be alone. I'm going out to do ice baths and sauna work. Uh, but I'm going to be out there for a while. I plan on doing four hours. And for me, the longest I normally have ever made it in the sauna without taking a break is an hour. And so I commit to a cumulative time of three to four hours. And it turns me inside out. And I don't care about the health ramifications for anybody, blah, 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 whatever. I drink water. I'm fine. I rehydrate. I check my vitals. I'm good. This is for me, right? So save it for somewhere else. But I do that like once a quarter and it reinvents every ounce of me. And so sometimes I make it weird, sometimes I do not, okay? And then rule number four. This is the most important rule. Don't advertise Masogi. It's okay to talk about Masogi with friends and family, but don't tweet, Instagram, Facebook, or boast about Masogi. Everyone today has such outward-facing lives. They do stuff so they can post on social media about some badass thing that they, to get a bunch of likes. Masogis are inward-facing. I can reflect back on how I was the only person watching myself and I still rose to the occasion in a big way. There's some deep satisfaction in that. Did you really do what you think is the right thing when you were the only person watching? Or do you need an audience or a big pat on the back for that? Are you not important enough to do it for you? We had this guideline before social media and it seems more relevant today. So why am I sharing this with you? Why am I talking about the importance of this? Because you are the secret weapon. You are. You're the gold medalist. 
you're the Olympian. You're the MVP on the team. And you're competing against a lot of people. A lot of people that have the same tools at their disposal. They have the same resources at their disposal. But what they don't have is you. They don't have you, your life, your mindset, your willingness to sharpen your edges, to reach new lengths of your potential, and to expand to fill those lengths. Only you do. It doesn't matter what tools, technology, software, strategies, tactics, principles come across your board. Everybody else can have the same ones. But what they don't have is they don't have your vision, your capacity, your resiliency, and your ability to take those same tools, tactics, principles, and put them into practice. And I consider myself a baby in business and entrepreneurship. I've only been doing this for 12 years. And I say only because I have friends that have been doing it for 50 years that have hundreds of millions of more dollars than me. And I still feel like I learn every single day. But when I look back and I reflect on everything, two things I remember. Number one is that some of the tools that worked for other people never worked for me. And it wasn't about the tool. It was about my willingness to use it, let it go and try another one. And no matter what, I always figured it out. And number two is that when it seemed hard and daunting and I always figured it out, in the moment it sucked. But when I reflect back, those were some of the most defining, beautiful moments of my life. In my marriage, with my children, leading my team, in my business, writing a book, becoming a New York Times bestseller, launching an app. Like I can remember all the times that I wanted to quit and it sucked. But now, because I've done this quite a few times, I look back and when those new challenges arise now and that resistance arises now, I welcome it. I welcome the chance of failure. I welcome the fact that I might only have a 20% chance of success, but I'm still going to push. Because if I go and I push, I'm guaranteed to move forward and make it further than the version of me who didn't push because I was scared to act. And I always butcher this quote. But Elon Musk said something along the lines. He said, um, you know, it was around the moon or landing on Mars and something like that. And he said, and I butcher this every single time, but it has such a valid point to it. Um, He said two people are trying to get to the moon, right? And I'm just using the moon. And he said one of them has a 10-year plan and one of them has a one-year plan. I guarantee that at the end of six months, the person with the one-year plan has made it a lot farther than the person with a 10-year plan, whether they accomplish their mission or not. And it is such a valid point. And so you have one life to live. Time is the asset that when you master it and use it to your advantage, becomes your greatest superpower. And in order to be able to master your time, you have to master yourself. And you have to do things that nobody knows about. You have to do things to sharpen the relationship with yourself. I say this all the time. We tend as human beings, myself included, especially as entrepreneurs, to neglect relationships with the one person that we're guaranteed to spend the rest of our lives with. And that's ourselves. And you've heard me say this before. You're like, George, where's relationship speed algorithms come from? Well, it's really simple. Nobody has a marketing problem. Everybody has a relationship problem with themselves, their team, and their customers informed in that order. And the truth is, whether you study the levels of mindset through NLP, you study behavioral stuff, doesn't matter what you study. The moment you lean in and prioritize deepening the relationship with yourself, sharpening it, and expanding your capacity with yourself, everything outside of you topples over 
in massive, massive momentum because you are the secret to the most massive shifts, massive momentum, and massive progress. And so that's why I told you to take a bath in the last episode. And that's why in this episode, I'm telling you to look into, practice, and start playing with the game of Masogis. Finding ways to push yourself past your potential, realize what you're capable of, capable of, and continuing to put yourself knowingly into resistance. That's why I do cold therapy. The water doesn't get any warmer. It sucks every time. But here's this beautiful part. I know it sucks, and I get it anyways. So when I get hit with that in business, that situation that I didn't want to come, but I knew it could come and it comes, I can step right into it and handle it. When that thing that we plan doesn't work, I don't freeze, I adjust. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to get into it anyways. And once I'm done, it's going to feel amazing. And you get to do the same thing. Now I'll take a sip of my cold coffee since we've been talking for 28 minutes. That's a Masogi. I think that is one of the secret weapons of all of the greats. And that one that any of you, you listening right now, can access in any moment. The four rules are really, really simple. Rule number one, don't die. (laughs) Rule number two, make it really hard. Rule number three, make it weird. And rule number four, don't advertise Masogi. That's it. But you don't have to do them alone. You can do them with friends. You can do them with your group of people. You can create a pact around it. We are human beings. We are tribal creatures. And teamwork makes the dream work. You can have shared experiences. It's a part of this game. It's a part of this game. So I'm going to ask you to earn the podcast today because I forgot to do this at the beginning. I need you to shine the light for me. I need you to send this episode to somebody who it can benefit one people, two people, people that have never listened to this show. And please post about it on social. If it resonated with you, if you're going to do it, if you want a group of people to do it, post it, tag me. My Instagram is it's George Bryant. I will respond. Send me a DM if you have any questions. Send me a DM if you want to share your Masogi with me uh, after it's done and what you learned, anything you reflected on. But either way, this concludes another episode of the Mind of George Show. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms especially because we got to close the circle when you prioritize the one with yourself. And you can do that through taking a bath, uh uh-uh, if you haven't listened to episode 217 yet, and through Misogis, which is in today's episode. So I will either see you in the next episode if you're watching this on video, or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time to cue that beautiful outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. 
So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com, and I'll see you in the next episode.